It must be really hard when you have the ability to play professional pickleball, but you don't have the time to dedicate to it. Yet Ile van England has immersed himself in the sport in many other ways while playing a handful of pro events each year. In this episode, we also talk about pickleballs and how to choose the right one for your game. So let's get to the intro to hear from Illy. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Illa Van Anglin. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. How are you? I'm doing great too, although there is too much snow out here right now on the road or on the ground here in Connecticut. So it would be nicer if it was warmer, which I believe you're in Georgia, aren't you? Yes, still pretty cold for Georgia standards, but we don't have snow. So that's a good thing. <laughs> that's right. I actually lived in Atlanta for about six months. And yeah, the weather was much more temperate than it is here. But yeah, let's jump into the podcast today. I do like to start off with finding out a bit about your pickleball journey, how you got started and when that was. All right. So I originally from the Netherlands, from Europe, and I moved to the U.S. in 2010, late 2010, to be part of the Ohio State men's tennis team. Played for Ohio State for three years. I lost one year of eligibility because I played pro tennis and I took a little bit of money. And the NCAA didn't like that. With Ohio State, we were always kind of the top team, always top three in the country, um, runner-up in the NCAAs. And I was pretty highly ranked individually in singles and doubles. Decided not to go pro after. I had a couple guys on my team that were really good, and they would beat me pretty badly. And they actually made it to the top 100. So I was like, if they already beat me that badly, I don't know if there's a point in going pro. So then I decided to go to business school, finish business school in Ohio, then moved to Richmond, then moved to Atlanta, where I started playing tennis uh, at Alta and at USTA leagues. And about a year ago, after pretty much played the same people for the past three years, I was like, you know what? It's time for something new. So my doubles partner, Tim Mullane, and I decided to go to a random recreational park and pick up pickleball. And that's now about a year ago and never looked back at tennis and just playing pickleball. Wow. There are so many things in that intro that I would like to ask you about. And I think the first one I'm really curious about is it sounds like you lost a year of eligibility because you <clears throat> took a little bit of money when you were playing uh, professional tennis. Is that something that the NCAA AA did a big investigation or how did all that come about? No, I came to the U.S. with a uh, recruiter. So with a, with a player recruiter, which is pretty big in Europe right now, where people are not very familiar with how they get in touch with coaches. So he basically recommended like, hey, just be smart, just be open and honest about what you made. And that way we prevent them from going in a really big investigation. And that honesty kind of got punished, punished by them taking a year. Now, was that, we're talking what? about like two grand or $3,000. So it wasn't like a whole lot of money I took. <laughs> right. And, and was that your first year that you had to give up your eligibility? No, it was actually my last year. So uh, for I, I could play right away. I started in the spring, so in January, and I uh, just had to give up my last year. So my senior year, technically, I had to sit out. Now, it seems like things are 
are really changing now that I think a lot of the college athletes can earn some money on the side. Exactly. So that rule is no longer in play. (laughs) All right. So you decided not to go pro in tennis, but it looks like you're playing at a very high level in, in pickleball. Now, I like to think so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so to Tim and I, we were extremely competitive and we were like, Hey, let's, Tim works for Anheuser-Busch. We're both very busy with our regular jobs, but we, we picked up pickleball pretty quickly since we, we played doubles at a high level. I mean, Tim and I, we're still beating guys that are like 200 in the world, ATP, actively playing. So in doubles, we, we were pretty good in tennis. And we were like, hey, let's see how quickly we can pick it up. And after a month of messing around at, at a park with mostly 3 4-0s, we're beating them really badly. And we're luckily we're lucky to get matched with Dan Grinot, David Spearman, and Chris Eastwood. And Dan and David are both top five players at the seniors. And Chris, he's probably like if he could play more, he would probably be top twenty, top thirty, for sure. So they kind of took us under their wing, and we picked up the game really quickly. So we got we got lucky there. Now, have you spent much time on the pro tour with different tournament events? So Tim and I played, because I always play with Tim, we played six tournaments last year. The first one we played Del Rey, which we we were brand new. We beat one guy um, who was top 10 in singles. I'm just blanking on his name. And we almost, we lost in three sets. Our first tournament, we lost in three sets against Altoff and Zane. Um, and then we won a couple matches in the back draw. So we usually win three or four matches, with the exception of Hilton Head, where we had a really tough draw. And we're right there with the top guys, but I mean, these guys are just a little bit better. They play every day and Tim and I play twice a week if we're lucky. So it's, it's frustrating because we know we're right there, but yeah, it's still tough to play these guys that just play every day. I think I saw that Zane mentioned that you were kind of being identified as possibly having a breakout year, but it sounds like you could, but it's tough because you don't, you've got a full-time corporate job. That's true. And I also have twin boys in the way. So it's, it's going to be a tough one for me, but I'm trying to play four, four or five tournaments again. And with, I'm still playing twice a week at least. So I'm hoping that I can just do a lot of damage in the tournaments that I do play. For me to really play like Zane, like, I really like Zane. He's a great guy. And Zane and I have done some stuff together behind the scenes. So I, I really appreciate that compliment. And I'm hoping that the tournaments that I can play, I can uh, give these guys a serious, tough time. Now, you mentioned that you and Zane have done some stuff behind the scenes. Is there anything that you can talk about? Yeah, so Zane is uh, really interested in working on his, uh, on his social media presence. So one of my buddies and I, well, Shay... One of our other friends and I, we uh, we started the Pickleball Mafia, which is a YouTube channel, which we've been posting on a little bit here and there. We have our Instagram, and we uh, we like to post very high quality content, and that's something that's not really out there. Well, you see Tyson. Tyson is doing a really good job actually in posting high quality content with great editing and stuff. And, and Zane reached out to me, and he was very interested in getting some advice and some help there. 
And we're also working on a instructional platform. That's something that we were still a month or two out. We recorded videos with a couple of pro players and we just want to provide free content for the pickleball industry or the pickleball world, I should say, and grow the sport. That's kind of my objective with the things that I do is grow the sport as fast as we can and just have people get back out there and be outside. Right. Well, weather permitting, of course. Of course. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, let's dive a little bit more into the content that you are creating. You've got Pickleball Mafia, which is a YouTube channel, I would imagine. What types of content do you have on there? So we review uh, products and we do this from a perspective of a beginner, a 3-0, a 4-0 player, a 5-0 player, and then in this case, me, a pro player. And we started out strong. We had like five or six videos where we looked at paddles, looked at balls, all sorts of things. And now due to uh, a baby being born at one of our editors and the camera guys, we, we had to take a little break because obviously with COVID, we don't want to have the little guy exposed to anything. But I'm expecting here in the next month or so for that all to pick back up. So it's, uh, it's fun. It's a nice outlet. And we, we just try to educate people on what's really out there. What is really out there? What have some of the videos been about? I mean, I know you said in general what they're about, but I guess a little bit more specifically. So, well, there's a lot of... So everyone is essentially new to pickleball. Pickleball has been out there for a while, but no one really knows what pickleball really is. I mean, you have so many different types of paddles. You have so many different types of balls. Those are the two main ones. So we focus on, okay, what is out there? What kind of paddles are there? How does a paddle play? How does that affect your speed? How does that affect your day? Balls. There's all of these stories about balls. The pro tournaments all play with Dura Franklin, but what about Onyx? What about uh, Core? There's so many different types of uh, products out there. So what we do is just give our opinion on it, unbiased, We don't get sponsored. We buy all this stuff ourselves. And this way we can give people our opinion and and from a different view, from someone who's never played a sport, a racket sport, to someone who's played a racket sport their entire life. I have to admit, in terms of equipment, I've talked a fair amount about paddles, but not a whole lot about balls. What have you found? So we found that For beginners, this is a very controversial topic, but we found for beginners, it's a lot easier to use an indoor ball. An indoor ball is a lot more rubbery and it bounces a lot more. It's a little bit more like a tennis or a squash ball. So it slows down the game a little bit and it gives a little bit of a higher bounce, which extends the rallies a lot more versus, for example, Dura, which is super hard or Franklin, super hard, lower bounce, and is often used for yeah for the higher level games because it keeps your rallies a lot shorter if when people speed up obviously not when they're dinking but it's a lot less forgiving so that's kind of the takeaway that we had like hey like the hybrid balls or the indoor balls are just a lot easier a lot more forgiving for outdoor use and indoor use to use so that was one of the takeaways that we had that is a great tip especially for instructors when you've got some new people that may not have a sports background at all or not a racket sport background just to make it a little, even a little bit easier to play the game. So yeah, I appreciate that tip. 
did you find out anything more specifically about the different brands or do they, or is there a lot of similarity? There's a lot of similarity, just marketed a little different. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> so what okay. you see is that a, a lot of balls are coming out of China. Yeah. They use a lot of the same injection molding companies. And yeah, the whole patterns are slightly different. Again, without stepping on anyone's toes, most balls are very similar, if not the same. Of the top brands, let's put it that way. Now, I know you're in Atlanta and the weather, you don't plan as much cold weather as, as we do here in Connecticut, but we definitely, especially in the fall and the early spring, have a lot of difficulty with balls that break. Have you? Yep. What, what's your opinion on finding one that can stand the cold? Let's put it that way. I've noticed that, and I, I'm, I have no affiliation to any of these brands. So I'm just giving my honest opinion and what I've experienced. Dura, when we play with Dura, we probably crack. And if it's like 30 degrees here in Atlanta, it's cold, but we've had that a couple of times. We probably break like 10 balls in two hours brand new balls we we crush through them franklin is a little better but we've noticed at core which is, is a newer brand that's coming up it's been uh, it's, it's been great so franklin and core lasts a lot longer than dura because dura is so hard and it's awesome for in the summer it's my favorite ball to play in the summer but in the winter it just cracks so quickly all right. Well, I will definitely keep that in mind when I can go outside again and play. Yeah. Now, in terms of the instructional platform that you're developing, I, I know that sounds like it is a work in progress, but is there is that different from Pickleball Mafia or is that kind of separate? Anything that you want to share there and, and promote since we're talking today? Yeah. So it will be called Top Tier Pickleball. And what we do is we invite over a player. This is most often a professional player, uh, female or male. And we have them talk about five topics. They talk about the serve. They talk about the return. We talk about the dink, the third shot drop, and about the drive. These videos are two, three minutes long. They give their strategy, their mindset, and they give a drill. So it's very interesting to see how Zane, for example, approaches his surf versus David Spearman or myself. We all have a very different mindset in how we approach the game and what are strategies behind, uh, you know, a certain shot. So we're trying to give people a little inside scoop with YouTube and a, a little personal side to these pro players. So the interesting thing is that with top tier, we can have Pro players show that vulnerable side of themselves because they're given inside scoop of themselves, but also promote themselves yeah, with teaching because a lot of money is to be made teaching clinics. Now that reminds me, because I do want to ask you this, are you considering eventually having a pickleball related career, whether it's a top pro playing day in and day out or teaching or doing uh, content? I'll do everything on the side, to be quite honest. For me to go play pro tournaments full time is, yeah, it's right now with my current job is just not possible. So I'm doing things in the evening hours just for fun. And if it really takes off, it takes off and it would be great. 
but it's a hobby. It's not my intention uh, right now to, to become a pro player. I think I kind of missed my window. If I was in here like two years ago, I think I could have been right there with, with the top guys and recall the benefits. But right now, it's the pro level is going so fast. And there's a lot of tennis players coming in that are changing the game, I think, for the better, for more fun. And I think we'll see a lot of shift here coming in the next couple of years. But yeah, so just doing it as a hobby and if it takes off and pays the bills better than my current job, who knows? Now, what is it that you think that the new tennis players are bringing into pickleball? I think you can already see that the game has changed in regard of speed ups and the drives. So also with the new paddles, I play with the DM Warrior, which is one of the thicker paddles out there. On the market, I can drive my forehand so hard right now. And my speed ups, I can control a lot easier and I can hit people a lot easier. So I think the game initially was very focused on dinking and out dinking people. And I think as the level is going up so quickly, people can dink for hours. So automatically you'll see people start speeding up a lot more, which I think is more to, to tennis. So having a good combination, you'll see. Thomas Wilson, for example, he was a good tennis player. Or Descu, great tennis player. Deco Bar, really good tennis player. These guys are starting to change the game, and I think you'll you'll start seeing a good shift into the strategy. And that brings up a good point because if you're a spectator of pickleball watching the pros play, it's much more interesting to see that speed up than just to sit there and watch some dink 30 times in a rally. Exactly. Yeah. And the the dinking is also going to go away because tournaments are one day. Well, it's not going to go away. Let me rephrase that. But the tournaments are one day long. As the level is going up, you you saw Ben Johns and guys like that. They're kind of cruising through the first three, four rounds. But now they're starting to having to play like tough matches, first, second, third round already. So these guys are going to be more exhausted too. So they probably want to keep the rallies a lot shorter. That doesn't mean they're going to go for broke, but I think with the new battles and the new equipment is just a lot easier to get to speed up and reset the point. As we talk here, I can't believe all the different things that you are doing in your life and have going on. The one thing that I did want to ask you about before we finish up today is you are, I think, one of the founders of the Southeast Pickleball League. How did that get started? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, as Tim and I said, so Tim Lane and I, both the founders of Southeast Pickleball Leagues, we were signing up for pro tournaments and tournaments in general. And we noticed the crazy amount of fees we had to pay to play. A lot of people also didn't have the opportunity to play in tournaments because they're, they're too far away or they're too expensive. At the same time, we were convinced that to improve your game in a practice is one thing when there's no pressure, but to get in an environment where there's a little bit of pressure because you play in a league or a competition, I think that's where we believe you can really grow. And that wasn't out there. So I decided to pick up my my coding skills and my website building skills and figure out a way to build a website and build a, a back end. And we we had in mind to grow pickleball. That's really what we're trying to do with this. It's $35 to sign up for a six, seven-week league. 
it's a flex format. And we try to schedule people as close as possible. The, the goal is to have people within a radius of 15 miles. And every week they play a different team. What they do is they log into their account. They receive a schedule based on the league they signed up for, which is skill-based. Men, women, uh, singles, doubles, and mixed. And they reach out to each other and they play their match. So it's a great way to meet new people play level matches against people from your level. And that's our goal, just to grow the sport in the Atlanta area. So this does have some similarities to Alta because I have to admit, when I lived in Atlanta for a while, I, I did play in Alta, even though I wasn't that great of a tennis player. So it, it sounds like it, it's the format, of course, is different. But right now you're kind of concentrated, focused in that Atlanta area, or are you kind of yep. branching out are, are you planning on branching out into other areas of Georgia? That's That would be a dream, yes. But I'm still seeing that. I, I think we're still a little early. So right now, we're in our second season. We had over we had 200 people playing the first season because the weather was nice. The winter is a little slower. We had about 120 people. The biggest challenge is making sure that people are within that 15-mile radius. Right now, we have some people that have to travel a little further. So as it's growing, that will work out better. And we really want to focus on putting it on the map here in Atlanta. And then, I mean, the format's pretty easy. So if people want to reach out to me and do some sort of franchising thing, they could really easily convert it. So yes, the dream would be to expand it. But right now, we, we really want to focus on Atlanta and it to function really well. It functions really well. We just... Yeah, the goal is to have, instead of having 200 people sign up, I would like to have 2,000 or maybe 20,000 people signed up. And I think with the amazing growth that we're having uh, in Pickleball, I think that's doable. We've talked about so many things today, to be honest. And I think people are going to have a lot of interest in this episode. If somebody wants to get in contact with you, where's the best place for them to reach out? The best place would be Instagram. Okay. And what should they look for on Instagram to find you? So my Instagram handle is Illa Van Engelen underscore PB. So it's my first name and last name underscore PB for Pickleball. And that's people can send messages to me. I, I get a good bit of messages about strategies and techniques and all that stuff. And I love to interact with people. I think it's a lot of fun. And even though I'm not out there as much as all these top pros, I do think I have a pretty good view on uh, what's going on. And I'm happy to help and happy to get feedback uh, when people have questions. You definitely do have your hand in a lot of opportunities. And I think that people will, like I said, really enjoy the podcast today. So thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, listening to it. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 